Welcome to the Naked Truth. Peace to you. We're going to pick up in the book of Numbers. That's the fourth book in the Bible. We're at chapter 22. Um, That's going to be the Old Testament. So like I keep telling you, it's probably not going to be anything Jesus said. But there may be something Jesus reflected back on during his ministry. So it may still be relevant to us Christians. We shall see. We're going to start with verse 1. Then the children of Israel moved and camped in the plains of Moab on the side of the Jordan across from Jericho. So the people they're talking about are the children of Israel, people recently emancipated from enslavement in Africa. They were there for over 400 years. So you can imagine what the group looks like because besides the people who were there, um, who are um, who left there in this exodus, um, who were um, just of the children of Israel. There were also people who went with them who didn't stay in Africa either but joined the exodus and left too. So it's by the census they've counted um, in the narrative of men above 20 years old alone, there was um, at least 600,000 people in the exodus um, who are counted among the people in the movement, and that's not including the women and the children. Um, so that's who it's talking about. The area it's talking about is in the same area. It's called in modern times in the area called Jordan. If you do a map search or search of Moab, you'll see what areas of the world this is talking about. Uh, verse 2. Now Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. So the things that had happened with their previous skirmish, their war, the battle they fought with um, Og, battles I should say, with Og and Sihon, the kings they encountered and who refused to let them pass through their areas So and, and instead went to war with them and they also defeated them um, and they're still on the move to where they have to go or where they're they've they're on the move to what's called the promised land. Um, so far, they've stopped them and kept moving. So it's not like they stopped them and stayed in the area, at least not in mass. Most For the most part, they were keeping it moving. So they were at least honest in that much. I'm sure people did settle along the way, just like they did in other times and eras when people colonized other areas. They probably had people who decided the journey's enough for me I'm going to stay here and stop along the way and occupy those areas and even just put roots down there but uh, whatever the case may be verse 2 and Abdelak the son of course all that Israel had done in, to the Amorites so um, it's letting us know who he is I think I read that already to you um, when it says son of Zippor I'm not sure who that is I guess it's probably someone who had authority at that time of a certain area? That would be my guess. I don't know, but it's let it says identifying us, who he is to us. Verse three. And Moab was exceedingly afraid of the people, because they were many. And Moab was sick with dread because of the children of Israel. So yeah, if you could imagine how even a few hundred uh, people at the border, you see how they get treated, especially if they're dark skinned. If they're dark skinned, they get shipped back immediately, immediately, as Bernie Mac would say to um, Haiti, for instance. But if you're not dark skinned, you don't necessarily get welcomed then either. The only way the 
previous president, despite all his flaws, like we all have, made one thing clear. If you're from a European country, you'll be welcome here. Don't worry. If you're not, look out. And paraphrasing him on that. But he laid it out pretty clearly because that's how it is. And it's how it's this, whether they will say it clearly as he does or not, or did or not. Um, in that, he spoke truly. Um, so you could imagine how many, how they feel with half a million plus people of men alone um, approaching their border, not to mention the families and whatnot. So they were uh, probably as hostile as the other people who greeted them were. But let's see, maybe not. Verse 4, so Moab said to the elders of Midian, now this company will lick up everything around, saying they'll lick up everything around them, as an ox licks up the grass of the field. And Balak, the son of Zippor, was king of the Moabites at that time. So it's identifying who Balak is there. He's the son of Zippor, and he's also the um, king. Uh, oh, he was also king of the Moabites. So if you look on a map of that area, he was the ruler of that area at that time. And I think think it's in modern era, in modern times, it's still called... Um, I mean, it's called um, Jordan, that area of the world. Um, but whether they're still called Moabites or not, that I don't know. You could have to, you'd have to research yourself to see that. Um, but so he's basically saying, no, 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 don't let them pass through. They're going to eat up all the resources, just like they do with people who are trying to immigrate to America. Now, if you're not the right complexion, they assume you're here going to eat up resources that are not plenteous enough for everyone in the world, much less more immigrants. But they're greeting them with that same energy. Um, then he sent messengers, verse 5, then he sent messengers to Balaam, the son of Beor, at Pethor, which is near the river in the land of the sons of his people, to call him, saying, Look, a people who has come from Egypt, see, they cover the face of the earth and are settling next to me. So, it, it, I mean, that could be racism there. The fact that he's mentioning that they're coming from Egypt, meaning they're dark skin. So, implying uh, all these black people are coming this way. And he, it just sounds like how it's what he's saying without saying it. But he's saying it to another person, let him know that that's what he's facing, a whole black tidal wave and he wants some help dealing with them and the river they're talking about there is the euphrates which again it still exists in modern times um if you want to see a map of it and so he sent to for help from this person called the son of beor at pethor which is near that euphrates um so it, it, the person that he's sending it to it turns out is uh I think, which, let's see, let's see who it is. Verse 6, therefore, please come at once. And he's saying, curse this people for me, for they are too mighty for him. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. For I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. So it sounds like the person who he's sending to help for, from, is, uh, wizard or witch doctor voodoo root man something of that order that someone who's able a, a medium a spirit is someone who's able to 
work with um, other energies to make things happen and manifest in this reality. And believe it or not, it happens and it happens in the Bible and it happens outside of the Bible and people still believe in and worship and follow that. And also, if you want to just go by the Bible, it was happening even before, like I've said before, the tenets of the Judaism or Catholicism or even the red letters of Christianity that appear in the Bible not necessarily or at all, I believe, Jesus' pre-existence, but like I said, the documentation of what he said in the Bible before all of those, people were practicing what we would commonly just call magic and doing that to have their encounters with the divine and with the supernatural. And that's um, that's why it's called divination. It's how they would make contact with that realm. It seems like to me from the descriptions, it is what you might imagine if someone were to take acid or LSD in the old school sense and be able to uh, un, uh, open up that sort of realm where they're able to see into a different dimension or be able to experience sensation that way, in that way. At least that's how I imagine it. So he's asking for someone to come help him with all these black people or with all these people coming his way. Um, And he's saying, please curse him for him. And apparently the person who he's requesting help from has a reputation for being able to put the roots on people like that where whatever he says goes. He can call for a curse or call for a blessing and it actually occur in that way for the people who he's calling for it from. So, the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed from the divine... Oh, wait, I must have missed one. Um, so, oh, no, okay, I didn't, sorry. Verse 7. So, the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the diviner's feet in their hand, and they came to Balaam and spoke to him in the words of Balaam. So it, that is what he is. It's a diviner. It's someone who can, like I said, deal with those other sort of realms. And um, believe it or not, people do exist like that. And I've encountered them throughout my lifetime um, in a couple of different states, in a couple of different um, situations. And they turned out to be right and helpful in the situations that I encountered. Um, but they aren't around anymore. Both of them have, all of the three that I've known, four, three or four, I've known have passed away. Uh, three of the four I've known have passed away. And I just imagine the older lady I knew who was um, able to do things like that has, um, she was older and that was 20 years ago. So I can imagine she probably, I don't know if she's with us or not, I won't say. But anyway, so that's what they're sending him to, a diviner. So someone who's able to interact in that way. And with the fee. Uh, and so it's what you might think about if you've seen like Middle Eastern, not Middle Eastern, um, Middle Ages type movies with when they'll send to the magician or send to the witch, they'll be required to bring something with them. Um and it's no different than when they have to, when they call for the people to make their offerings and to make their offerings, they're required to bring this, that, or the other with them, whether it's 
a golden sheep, a cow, whatever, flower, like I said before, whatever it is they're called to bring. It's sort of the same thing, just for a different religion. Um, But belief system, like I said, it was around before, at least the documentation of the others. And those others are, like I said before, also in the Bible. So um, they are gone on their way with the diviner's fee to see what the diviner will say about the situation. And he said to them, lodge here tonight and I will bring back word to you as the Lord speaks to me. So the princes of Moab stayed with Balaam. So the diviner, Balaam, who is able to make contact with the divine, that's why he's called a diviner, told them he'll see what he says. He'll inquire for them. In other words, that's what they'll call it in other parts of the Bible when they go to seek like the word from the prophets and the people who are in touch with the divine. Um, they'll... Um, they'll have them that's how it'll happen so in this instance he's telling them to wait and see let's see uh what the lord says to me basically let's see verse nine and god came to balaam and said who are these men with you okay so this is why i say that people will call the word in the bible the word lord is translated from many different names and things called um including Jehovah, but also including El. And it changes throughout the Old Testament. And in this case, it says God, and it's capitalized, so it lets us know it's talking about or referring to God Almighty. But the word that's translated from is Elohim. Um, but could this be God Almighty interacting with someone asking questions? When um, Why would God need to ask about anything since God can see and understand and know it all? But since even the beginning, the entity identified as God, even in the Garden of Eden, asked questions as if God didn't already know. Like when he asked, Where are you, uh, how, who told y'all you were naked? is referring to Adam and Eve. So why would God need to ask that? If, why would God need to ask anything if God's able to view, sort of remote view, and does watch and see everything that's going on, especially if there were only one or two people on the earth at that time, even though that's not actually what the story is in the Bible. Um, but that's a whole other story. Um, so, let's see, the Lord apparently, or in this instance it's saying God, not the Lord, but either way, it that it interchanges sometimes, like I said before, is asking um, about the visitors. Verse 10. So Balaam said to God, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent to me, saying, So the diviner is interacting with the entity, deity, whatever it is that he's calling Lord and God, and that entity is asking, Who is it that's inquiring of the spirits, basically, is what it's hap- what's happening there. Um, that does sound like what it was like when um, I guess they'd be called spiritists or mediums, the people who I've seen in the past. But sometimes they've been um, church leaders, so it just depends. Um, um, but it sounds like that's what's happening with him. He's going into his um, contact moment. And he's being asked what do the people who are inquiring of him want 
and it also sounds like a business. Why else would there be a fee required for the one doing it? Except that that's exactly how the religion set it up too with their offerings and um, sins and um, to make uh, to make offerings to make up for the sins that they mark as sins. Um, let's see, verse ten. So Balaam said to God, Balak the son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent to me saying. So it's saying that Balaam is having his uh, consultation with God and getting and letting him letting the Lord know that um, that's what the people who are inquiring of the spirit is want to know. Um, verse 11, look, a people has come out of Egypt and they cover the face of the earth. Come now, curse them for me. Perhaps I shall be able to overpower them and drive them out. So they're letting him know all those people are on the way. And he's worried about it and he wants the spirit is to help him. And that's why he's there. And this is now the medium letting the Lord know what the visitor, the customer is coming there for. Verse 12, and God said to Balaam, you shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people for they are blessed. So I think at least this sounds like it's come it's coming from a different perspective of the narrative. It's approaching the narrative from the perspective of the medium, the person who's sort of outside of the people of the promises of the Old Testament as it were that led to and pointed to the promise of Jesus coming for people from the Old Testament, New Testament, and beyond. And that um, because of that, that that's why they word it in this way and from these sort of different perspectives and sort of, because the mediums, remember, they're also considered a no-no according to the previous commandments. And yet you see what's happening there is someone is consulting a medium. So it lets us know there's different religions like I said before. Um, and in this one, the person makes contact with the Lord. Um, the tabernacle meeting can't possibly be involved because they're carrying around the tabernacle meeting. And people who are, um, who are um, to the piece, person who's going to the medium is inquiring about. So it has to be some other contact with some other deity or entity that the person worshiping calls their Lord that um, it seems is real and it's in the Bible, but it can't possibly be. Well, I mean, it doesn't seem like it would be a Lord that contradicts itself, that a Lord that contradicts the Lord. But let's just keep reading and see what it says. Um, he Well, for the last thing is that he's being told, no, don't go with them. Verse 13, so Balaam rose in the morning and said to the, the princes of Balaam, Go back to your Lord, go back to your land, for the Lord has refused to give me permission to go with you. So he let them know, even though they came there to get help from him, his sort of magic or witchcraft, his voodoo, they came there for his help in that sense, spiritual assistance, that, um, um, but he's not going to be permitted to go back with them and help them with their cause. Verse 14, and the princes of Moab rose and went to Balak and said, Balaam refuses to come with us. So they did their part. They went there to try to get the 
sorcerer, as it were, to help them out. And he told them no. And so they went back home. Verse 15, then Bilek again sent princes more numerous and more honorable than they. So this time he didn't just send anybody. He sent more nobles among his people to do the errand of sending for the medium for him to get the spiritist, the medium, the witch doctor, the sorcerer, whatever you want to call him, whatever he is, he goes by for his job. Uh, that's who he's still trying to persuade to come to him. So this time he sends some more, more people. Verse 16, and they came to Balaam and said to him, Thus is Balak, the son of Zippor, please let nothing hinder you from coming to me. So he, they're begging him basically he, so that he doesn't have to beg getting his people to go and do the begging for him, even his nobles. Verse 17, for I will certainly honor you greatly and will do whatever you say to him. That's what he's saying. Therefore, please come curse this people for me. So he's like, he don't worry about what it is you require. He'll pay what you want him to pay. Um, he'll do what you want him to do. Just do this for him. He wants him to come on this mission and help him out. Don't let anything stop him from helping him defeat the children of Israel who are heading his way. Verse 17. You will certainly, uh, oh, um, for I will certainly honor you greatly and will do whatever you say to me. Therefore, please come curse this people for me. So he's begging him to come on and do him that favor, not just favor, he'll give him whatever he wants to, um, handle that um, roots, those the witch doctoring, that whatever it is he does, that mojo he has, that magic he does for the situation, do whatever it takes. But um, he'll, for, if he'll just come there and do that for him. Verse 18, then Balaam answered and said to the servants of Balak, though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. So maybe that's where he makes his mistake in declaring how dedicated he is to following every letter of the commands of the Lord. Because you know what's happening next is he's not going to follow those commands. Sort of like uh, the judgment that fell on Moses and Aaron and Miriam. Even though two of them seemed like they were bigots, racist, at least according to the narrative, um, Moses also got the same judgment, lead the people through the wilderness um, which is they're going to be their judgment for 40 years, but I'm not going to let you into the promised land, but still lead them. So it seems harsh, but it's what happened to them all. Um, and two of them, as all we've read already, have already passed away. So it's just Moses continuing on and now dealing with this, with the people working against them. Uh, uh, more people working against him um, and apparently also having the Lord play a hand in it even though it, so far it's just being God, Elohim like it says, not Jehovah so like I said may, is are the translations of God in this chapter, so in some sense maybe that's what I what I mean about the red letters being the parts that are for Christians somebody seemed to be making contact with the um, supernatural 
um, and calling it God because that's what it seems to be to them. It's obviously something supernatural and divine and able to transcend time and knowledge of different things. So maybe that's why it translates from the word or why they're using the word God in these instances because that's who people are worshiping as their God. But specifically, or at least in some instances, the word Lord is translated from other words like Jehovah in some instances because that's who um, those people at that time are calling their Lord or referring to as their God. Um, I guess that's one way to understand it. Um, but I don't know. Your guess is as good as or maybe even better than mine. But um, so So he's basically saying that no matter what they have to offer him, he's dedicated to following whatever it is the Lord has told him it is he has to do. Verse 19, now therefore please, you also here stay tonight that I may know what more the Lord will say to me. So he's put them up one night, he's putting up them putting them up too. And he's letting them know maybe the Lord will give him some different message in the by the morning. At least, you know, it's how it reads to me. So maybe um by the time by that time he'll have some other word for them straight from above and Lord is being translated from the word Jehovah here and so it's it seems to be even though they've had those other commandments it's what's happening here in this instance as far as the interactions with who's being called Lord um let's see I gotta be careful when I do that because like I said it jumps through the page when you do that Um, oh, we're further along than I thought. We're, um, verse 20. And God came to Balaam at night and said to him, If the men come, if the men come to call you, rise and go with them, but only the word which I speak to you that you shall do. So he's already made his um, Balaam, that is, already made his declaration to them that he can't do any more or less than the Lord tells him that he can do. And so now he's gotten another visit from the divine, from God, it says, who's let him know that um, if, so there's a contingency there, the man come to call you, rise and go with them. So there's no then, but that is the if. So that if that's happened, he can rise and go with them. Um, but only the word which I speak to you. So that's the limitation. So, and we've seen the Lord is a stickler for those limitations, like how Moses found out about with take your rod, but he didn't, wasn't told to do anything with the rod. It was just a, a trap, it seems, to get him to use the rod, and then it ended up costing him. But, um, excuse me. So anyway, he's been given a specific message from God. Um, it's just how it says. That's how we're going to read it. Letting him know what his orders are and what it is, how he should approach the situation. Verse 21. So Balaam rose in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the princes of Moab. So just like that, just after he just told them that he can't do any more or less than whatever it is the Lord has commanded him. The Lord just told him what to do, at least according to the, how it reads, that if they come to him and call him, rise and go with them, 
But that's not what happened. He got up and went. So instant, instantly he trips. And he doesn't even realize he tripped. He's tripped. But he's going to. Oh, this is that story. Verse 22. Then God's anger was aroused because he went. And the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him. And he was riding on his donkey and his two servants were with him. So just like that, the Lord is ticked and out and ready to put up the death, put out the death penalty. So again, why is there a need for people to carry out a death penalty if there's those vengeful angels that are, are always ready to act? And angel is capitalized, capitalized here with the capital A, um, letting us know. What is that letting us know? Is that actually the angel of the Lord? Well, it says angel of the Lord. So it, does that mean it's actually the presence? Let's see. Maybe the translation is verse 22 so I can know. We don't get lost. So I don't get lost on here again. So God, it says, and God's anger... So God there is translated from the word Elohim. Um, and like as always, I'm using the blueletterbible.org website to find these translations. Lord is again Jehovah. Um, wasn't there one more? Huh, maybe not. I thought there was one more thing about that one that was uh, sort of a standout. Let's see. So anyway, I guess it, it didn't take much for to tick off the Lord, because now just like that, the Lord is ready to be off with his head uh, for the journey he's decided to take on his donkey with his two servants along the way. Verse 23, now the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand. And the donkey turned aside out of the way and went into the field. So Balaam struck the donkey to turn her back on the road. So um, the this, I guess, is letting us know the animals which were here before humans were according to the biblical narrative. And I think even according to science, before people evolve, evolved to the form we forms we've taken now, because remember there's several different species of man, just like the Bible actually says, if you read it for what it says, not for what people will put into it, but for what it actually says, um, that um, that um, the animals which were here first actually are it seems in some ways much smarter or more intuitive about things maybe in exchange for the intuition and animal instinct that's where them being muted and dumb comes in although some can bark and neigh and hiss or meow or howl or whatever the case may be they can't exactly talk some can even talk you know some birds can even talk um mr ed you know can talk so maybe that's all of that's what this is leading up to the intelligence that animals can even have who aren't able to speak even though humans are able to speak and that supposedly supposedly does elevate above elevate us above them um because remember that seems to be the big crime of um 
Babylon and why that city was destroyed, the people were able to communicate uh, and speak the same language. And so then that was the problem, the offense. So Babylon was destroyed. Communication among each other was the big problem. And for some reason, that's a no-no. Um, so anyway, um, the animal, the donkey, is able to pick up on the different things that are going on, even though the human is not. And again, the animals were here first, according to both narratives. Um, so the animal is trying to avoid death. The animal sees the hazard. Verse 24. Then the anger of the Lord stood, the angel, excuse me, of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards with the wall on this side and a wall on that side. So now it's like there's an impasse, a, well, there's a path, a thin path for the way for them to, a way for the people to have to travel through um, on the way they're going, the way they're choosing to go, even though, again, he's not being obedient to what he was told to do already, which is a huge no-no. So that angel of death is still hanging out, looking, waiting for them to strike them. Very patient, by the way, since we've seen uh, it be like lightning strikes that fall from heaven and kill people when they say or do the wrong thing in um, some instances so far. So, so far, this angel's actually being very patient um, with uh, the misstep. Verse 25, um, and when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed herself against the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. So he struck her again, poor animal. She's actually being wise and helping him out, saving his life and uh, being abused for it. It's an unfortunate. Verse 26, then the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right hand or to the left. So now it's a, a crossroads, basically, where um, to go forward, you have to make a decision. And they, only the animal, the donkey, is able to see the death that lies ahead if she takes another step. And um, why wouldn't the Lord just open the eyes of the people so they can see the death and danger that lies ahead. I guess because the Lord already went out of the way or going the extra mile that most people don't seem to get of the message being given to him not to go with them unless they come to him, which they didn't do. And now he's going to them anyway, so he's not being obedient. So he, the same thing could have happened if they came to him and sought him to come to him, come to them. Um, but he didn't wait for that to happen. Instead, maybe he wanted the adventure. He went on his way anyway, and it was uh, not a good thing. So because of that, now he's got death lurking for him, like Final Destination, waiting on him to make the wrong move with only the donkey standing in the way. Verse 27, And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam, so Balaam's, ang Balaam's anger was aroused, and he struck the donkey with his staff. So the poor donkey is saving his life, but being completely mistreated, abused for it. Um, refusing to go any further, even just sitting, laying down, refusing to take another step, because she knows she can see the death and danger that lies, that lies ahead for him. 
um, that's a wonderful thing that the Lord is able to have such supernatural events step in the way of us making the wrong decision and wrong moves. There are times where I wish that were the case for other things where we I was saved from doing dumb-ish and kept from doing things that hurt myself, hurt others in other ways. But um, maybe some things are so dramatic on our paths that if the Lord doesn't step in, then it would be to our detriment. So the Lord shows us mercy in that way, and we're supposed to learn from that and not need those sort of in interventions. But I don't know. We'll see. Oh, excuse me. Verse 27, and when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, okay, so she lay down, she's not ready, moving any further, and she's being beaten for it. Verse 28, then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and she said to Balaam, what have I done to you that you struck me these three times? So she's had enough, and her muteness, the thing that animals, for the most part, are plagued with, they're not able to talk is broken to the point by uh, a supernatural in a supernatural way that she's able to speak now the animal donkey is talking and saying asking him what is the problem what did i do to you why are you beating me um maybe it's mr ed's great grandma it you know distant grandma and she's sassing him for the beating and who could blame her she's actually saving his life verse 29 and Balaam said to the donkey, because you've abused me, I wish there were a sword in my hand, for now I would kill you. So Balaam's not um, stopped for a second by the fact that his animal's now talking to him. The fact that his donkey, who he's used to riding all around, is now having a conversation with him. And not only having a conversation with him, but fully coherent of the situation that's around her and everything going on to the point where she can make decisions about where she's going to go and what it's going to cost, knowing that if she stops, he's going to hit her. If she turns, he's going to hit her. She knows all of that and taking all that in, into consideration and has still chosen those beatings rather than continue on a path that she knows is going to hurt him. He's not thinking about any of that. None of that's occurred to him not even the like I said not even the amazement that his animals talking to him um instead he's so angry for some reason maybe he's hungry maybe he's hangry that he wants to kill the talking donkey rather than hear what it is she's actually saying verse 30 so the donkey said to Balaam am I not your donkey on which you've ridden ever since I became yours to this day was I ever disposed to do this to you? And he said, no. So the donkey, the talking animal, Mr. Ed's grandma, is having to reason with the human, who's supposed to be a higher creature, higher thinking creature, about the fact that um, the thing he got her for, she's not willing to do anymore. And that there must be a reason for that, that she's seeing he's not. And the fact that she's talking to him is still not sinking into him. He's so angry about something. And none of that's sinking into him, letting him know he's heading the wrong way. And this makes me think, reminds me of when I took my mother, who passed away just over 10 years ago from stage four cancer, to one of the last 
cancer treatment center meetings that she went to, um, not meetings, treatments that she went to, where they basically um, let her know that um, they wouldn't be able to do anything else for her. Well, no, not that meeting, where they signed her up for an experimental treatment to um, treat her situation, letting her know basically there's no promises um, and that it's dangerous, there's a risk to it, and she still signed up for it, and it ended up taking her life. But I remember in that same morning, I was hungry myself, and I was in one of those moods, and I didn't have the best energy that day with the people I was dealing with and who signed her for the whole program and all of that. And I think maybe looking back, all of that was a sign to me that that's something that she sh- uh, I should not be on, she should not be doing either. But also, um, and I was hungry. So that was also, all those things were pointing to you're taking, you're going down the wrong path. And I think that's what's happening with him. He's um, angry about something. Uh, his animal's trying to let him know. Um, so different elements will pop up letting you know, no, 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 don't go this way, go a different way. Yelling it and screaming at it, at it to us in ways that seem mute to us. Are We are dumb to them, not able to hear what it is. This being said, even though looking back, they may seem very clear. Um, but in this case, he's got even the benefit of the donkey talking to him. And um, and um, so that he can, so, to save his life. And even question him about things making sense or not. Verse 31, then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand and he bowed down his head and fell flat on his face so that's saying a lot so first it's saying then the lord and lord there is being translated from the word jehovah said um open uh, the eyes of balaam and he saw the angel which is the word mayak it looks like Mayak, maybe a mock. You'd have to um you'd have to use the desktop version of the site to get the pronunciation of the word there. Um so it's saying the angel of the Lord, the angel of Jehovah. So it's almost saying it is in the third it is in the third person, so it's letting us know the Lord is showing him the angel of the Lord, um, not angel of death, angel of the Lord. So an angel is capitalized there. Um, as we're reading it, but in the the description, it's not. It's lowercase, letting us know it's not the Lord God Almighty, but instead it is an angel sent from the Lord um, who's actually there. And I think that's actually the case, like I said, when we encounter different entities being called Lord, I think that's um, them Lord to them because to them it was so supernatural that that has to be God it has to be the Lord acting and that's how they took the interaction um, to, and so it's Lord to them even though there's a Lord Almighty whom I believe is behind um, or at the start of and the end of everything but that's just my belief let's see um 
question him. Um, he's answered her. And now his eyes have been opened. And he's even seen the basically angel of death. The angel of the Lord there. Ready to take his head off if he takes that next step. And the angel of the Lord said to him. Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I've come out to stand against you. Because your way is perverse before me. So, um, it's saying me and the Lord saying it, the angel saying it as if it's him that's ticked off, but he's really just saying the words that the Lord has put in his mouth. He's going forward with the message. That's why angels, I guess, are called messengers. He's saying it's perverse before me, but he's actually saying it's it's a it's perverse before the Lord who sent him. The so he's acting under the authority of um, the Lord. Uh, who's sent him like just like son of man he's the angel of the lord who's sent there to um um to basically take him out verse 33 the donkey saw me and turned aside from me these three times if she had not turned aside from me surely i would have killed you by now and let her live so he's letting him know the donkey's not only smart, smarter than you, the donkey has more heart than you because she saved your life, even though hers would have been spared either way. She could also have been spared being beaten by you three times. Um, that would have been nice for her, too. Um, but to show you, we opened, her mouth was open, so she was able to make her case to you that, um, and save your life. And now, so he's even gotten the grace of his life being saved, the donkey's mouth being open, and even now a visitation from the divine, letting him know his life is being spared, but his way, his path that he's on, just like I've said before, it seems we're on a big picture path that's happening. Um, his way is perverse. He's on the wrong path. Let's see. Verse 34. And Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I've sinned, for I did not know you stood in the way against me. Now, therefore, if it displeases you, I will turn back. So now he's uh, eating that humble pie and um, saying he's willing to turn back. But at least he's repenting. He's saying he didn't know it was an offense. Um, and if it's such a big displeasure to you, he's willing to kill you for it. Kill him for it. He's will, he will turn back. But, I mean, how can you really take his word for anything? He had already had the visitation from the Lord letting him know not to go with them in the first place. And first thing he did in the morning was go with them. So, um, but now that's what he's saying now. Maybe he's saying he learned his lesson. He's not going to do it. But um, if that's what he wants him to do. Verse 35, then the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, go with the man, but only the word that I speak to you. That you shall speak. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. So you can imagine what he what kind of energy he's got now. He's probably not very happy to be on that mission. Now that he knows he um, got that close to death for going on his own way. This That seems to be the unspoken message, message that we see happening again and again with Moses before him and with him now. And with others, it's not to make coming to mind who but i seem to think of even one other one that seems to make uh snap decisions without actually consulting the lord it might actually be one of the same people it might have been moses just doing it more than once 
or making not even snap decisions, but making decisions that seem like, uh, well, that would be no big deal. And sort of just doing it and going with it rather than consulting the Lord first. And it seems maybe that's where we have to be careful, I think. In our walk, everything it is we deal with, we should consider those as crossroads and consider carefully which way it is the Lord would have us go on them. Because just like that, you could be done offended the Lord and have death waiting to get you and not even know that you even take them off or you know it and then set it aside in your mind thinking, oh, it's not going to be that big a deal. Like, clearly he must have thought that him saying, um, one thing and being told one thing and then doing another would be no big deal and clearly it was verse 36 now when Balak heard that Balaam was coming he went out to meet him at the city of Moab which is on the border of Ar- at the Arnon the boundary of the territory so the river Arnon is the border of the areas he's gone out to meet him there then Balak said to Balaam, Did I not earnestly send to you calling for you? Why did you not come to me? Am I not able to honor you? So he's like, What took you so long? You know I got plenty of money to help you out. Whatever it is you wanted, I got it. And you knew I'd give it to you. Why, what took you so long? Why would you delay answering me, coming to me when I beckon you? What took you so long? And then Balak said, um, oh, verse 38, and Balaam said to Balak, look, I've come to you. Now, now have I power at all to say anything? The word that God puts in my mouth that I must speak. So he's learned his lesson in his close encounter with death. It has a way of doing that to you. It has a way of turning you to a different path. And I've encountered come close to death more times than a cat, I would say, than um it has a way of getting you to do certain things and compelling you to go a certain way. And so in the same way, he's doing that also. He's um, like, look, I'm here. I'm I'm here to answer you, tell you what it is you wanted me to do, do what it is you want me to answer, what it is you wanted me to, what you asked me about. Doesn't say what he's there to do what, I'm, what he wants him to do, though, but he's gone there like he requested him. Verse 39, so Balaam went with Balak, and they came to Kerjath-Huzoth. Like I said, forgive me if I pronounce any of these wrong. So he's made it to his destination. They're together, Balaam, the sorcerer, basically, and Balak, the one who beckoned him. Then Balak offered oxen. Oh, I said that wrong. Balaam is the one who beckoned him. Balak is the sorcerer. Then Balak offered oxen and sheep. And he sent some to Bilam and to the princes who were with him. Let me make sure I did say that right. I seem to always get those confused. Bilam said to Balak, look, I've come to you. Okay, so yeah, Balaam. I got to think of a way to keep that. The two, the lamb together should make me think of some way I should relate that to um, the sorcerer or whatever. But that's who the sorcerer is. And um, Balak is the one who sent for him, the one who was seeking the help from the spirits as the medium. So Balaam went with Balak, and they came to Kirjath Huzoth. Then Balak offered oxen and sheep, and he sent some to Balaam and to the princes who were with him. So um, they've made the physical offerings of the different animal sacrifices that are required. And it says, and sent some to the princes who were with them. So 
sounds again like barbecue. What you wouldn't? That's what it sounds like you'd send. You'd barbecue and send some to loved ones and family, not just burn it all up to a crisp. Well, however it is, that's what's happened. They've roasted the meats, the different offerings, and they've sent some to their peoples. Verse 41, so it was the next day that Bilak took the lamb and brought him up to the high places of Baal, that from there he might observe the extent of the people. So we get introduced to um, some entity not being identified in law as Lord in English, but in some other language being called God, you know, some other word, um, various different words being called Lord in English. And the same thing with God, well, not same thing with God. God is usually um, uh, translated from the word Elohim. But here you get one where they're actually calling the name of some other different entity by its name. And in this case, it's Baal, that B-A-A-L, I'm sorry, B-A-A-L, um, translated from the world here. I'm sorry, word here, Baymot, Baymot. And I'm probably pronouncing that wrong also. Um, like I say, use the desktop version of the um, lulutterbible.org website. And it may even be able to be available on the phone too, and I'm just not seeing it. Um, if you want to see the pronunciation of how these different words they believe they're supposed to be. So the point is, though, that you see some other entity being worshipped as their deity. And it's um, Baal, the high place as it's being called is what you'd call in modern times church or a temple, mosque, synagogue, wherever, you're, wherever it is you'd go to go worship. That's what the high place is. It's literally the place way up there, up yonder, where you can go and try and get closer to God in a physical sense until you're able to get closer to God, You they think, in, a other, in another spiritual sense. Um... But so that's who it is that they're worshiping, Baal. And he's saying that that's where he's taking him up to the high places of Baal so that they can see just how many people it is he's talking about and who all it is he wants him to curse for him. And so that's what they've gone on the move to do. Uh, that's verse 41. And that's also the end of this chapter. So that's the end of this reading. As always, thank you for joining me. I hope it's been a blessing for you. And hope you'll join me again. We're making our way through these Old Testament readings on our Mondays and Wednesdays. And please join us for our Saturday readings as we make our way through this, through the things it is Jesus had to say. Stay safe. God bless you. Thanks again. And peace be with you. See you next time. Love you.